You're listening to the sermon podcast of Mountain View Church. Whether you're here catching up on last week's message or digging through a past series, we're so grateful you've tuned in today. Our prayer is the next 30 to 40 minutes helps you become a more whole follower of Jesus. If you're local and would like to join us, we'd love to see you this Sunday. For those who can't make it in person, services are also streamed on Facebook and YouTube. All the information about service times, what we have for kids, and much more can be found on our website, almsville.church. Now, let's open our hearts and minds to today's message. Grace that transforms us, all right? And grace is really, it's God's way of showing humans favor. Aren't you glad God showed us favor? It's kind of like he gave us a second chance. That's what the cross is. That's what grace is. It's God's second chance to us, all right, to get to heaven and to have that beautiful eternity with him. I am so looking forward to it. Now, humans are quite different from God. We don't offer grace with the same motive. We don't offer judgment with the same motive. We're just not good at it, okay? But God is good at it. He's perfect at it. And that's why I'm glad that he's in charge, you know, uh, because I want to think about there's different things that we do uh, because we're human and that's just the way it is. But think about the airline industry for a minute. All right, let's just, let's just think about that for a minute. For example, how quick we are to judge the airlines when things don't go right. You've been there before? Ever, anybody ever been inconvenienced by the air, airline industry? Yes, that's happened to us. And there's absolutely no grace. It's, it's abruptly judged and convicted on the spot. That's just how it is. Okay, we have no grace, no trial. It's just this is how it is, right? And that's how we are. That's because we have places to go and people see. We've got to be places. And we don't want to be inconvenienced, right? And so we put our foot down when we have to. And it just, that's the way it is. And so remember how inconvenienced we were? I talked a few weeks ago about our trip to South Dakota, how inconvenienced we were on that trip. Remember that? Well, I was on that plane with Betsy and Michael. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you remember this, but I leaned over to Betsy and I said, Betsy, are there keys to start the plane? Do you need keys to start a plane? Because maybe that's the problem half the time, that... We're sitting around on the tarmac half the time waiting to, to leave. And I'm thinking, you know, the, co- the, the pilot's probably in the cockpit going, I don't believe it. I did it again. <laughs> and they want to tell you it's mechanical because they don't want to come over the PA system and say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the captain speaking. We're going to be delayed on the ground here for a little while. Oh, my goodness, this is so embarrassing. I left the keys in my apartment. (laughs) They're in the big blue ashtray by the front door. And if you'll give me about 45 minutes, give or take, the turnpike is pretty busy. When I get back, we'll be on our way. Thank you for flying United. (laughs) And you know, that's how typically, we're thinking that might be how it goes. 
Any of the technicians on the ground, they're running around there and they're making you think they're doing something, but they're not. Really, what they're doing is they're looking for that magnet hide key <laughs> under the wing, hoping that's where it is, okay? Just, just in case of an emergency, that's how it is. So yeah, no grace. No grace for the airline. That's just how it is, right? And we're also to quick, we're quick to judge criminals, no matter what. Even though I've noticed that nobody wants to do jury duty. <laughs> like, who wants jury duty? Okay, except my daughter, Courtney. <laughs> There's something wrong with my daughter, Courtney. She wants jury duty. Okay, and she doesn't want just a misdemeanor. <laughs> she wants a felony. Okay, she wants the big leagues. Right? And so, I don't know, either she's, either she's, you know, really ready to, to drop judgment and she's wise in that area where she's ready to drop judgment or she wants to turn jury duty into a game show. I'm not sure. We were at home when we got the notice. She was excited. She's looking at it going, hey, I have an opportunity to do jury duty. And she, she, she puts her hands up in there. And she says, I really hope I get this because I just want to convict that felon. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what she did. And I was just dying. You know, so obviously, obviously she uh, is a strong believer in justice. <laughs> But that's because, that's because there's something in all of us that wants to see justice served. Isn't that the truth? People like to catch people. That's why in the Old West you had the posse, right? Everybody wanted to be involved in, you know, getting the criminal, getting the outlaw, apprehending him. Now you probably couldn't have a posse today. For one, people are too busy. Two, people don't answer their phones. <laughs> Trying to get a posse going here. Hello, Bill, this is Kurt. Yeah, I want to start a posse. Hello, are you there? Bill, pick up. I know you're there. Come on, we're trying to start a posse. One more posse. <laughs> And that's how it would go. And we, and, we, and we wouldn't be able to have a posse today. Did you hear about this story? I, I just discovered this story. Just, just dropped last week. Listen to this. And you probably heard about this. Entire police department in a Minnesota city resigns. Did you hear about this? The Goodhue City Council discussed options for police coverage after the entire department's resignation. What is this world coming to? Right? Don't be surprised if you get that phone call. Kurt, this is Bill. About that posse. <laughs> right? Is that, are we going to have to get the posse going again? Who wants to apprehend a, uh, an outlaw? Anybody? A one. And, he, and he's wearing a cowboy hat. This is perfect. Who else but Tim? All right. Get that guy a horse. He probably has them parked outside, right? <laughs> oh, I love this so much. Okay. But I'm seriously, I'm just glad that I'm not in charge 
of who gets to heaven and who doesn't, right? I don't want to be in charge of that. I'd be no good at that. I'd be terrible at that, you know? There'd be all justice. There'd be no grace. I'd make mistakes. We'd be in heaven. And somebody would say, why? Why did you let him in? I'm like... Right? Or, or why didn't you let Jim in? And I'd be like, Jim who? Like our very own Jim Boucher. You know, the guy who's always laughing at all your jokes. Well, I mean, I guess he didn't laugh loud enough. I don't know, because, uh, or that, or I just didn't have any grace left over. So I'm just glad. Aren't you glad that God's in charge of that? That we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff? And I love what David says here in Psalm 75 too. He says, God says, I choose the time when I will judge people. And I will be a fair judge. That's who we need. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 2, verse 2. He says, we know that when God judges those who do evil things... He judges fairly. Now Paul talks about grace in Ephesians chapter 2 on the screen. Grace, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 and 5, it goes like this. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's the only, it's, it is only by God's grace that you've been saved. So we were dead. He gave us life. We didn't deserve it. And that's grace. That's the simple story of grace. And there's no bargaining either. You don't bargain for grace. You don't bargain with God. You can't bargain with God for one the kinds of things that we say, we can't keep, we, we never keep our end of the bargain anyway. Think about that. We're, we, the the th- outlandish claims that we make. Oh, Lord, please get me out of this situation. And if you get me out of this situation, I swear to you, I'll become a priest. <laughs> right? Like that's going to happen. Someone actually said that to me one time. Kurt, are you a priest? I'm like, no, thank God. I'm married. <laughs> I'm just not that spiritual. <laughs> but there's no, bar- there's no bargaining with God. All right? That's not going to happen. Please. <laughs> you don't... <laughs> What? No. You don't negotiate with God. Okay, God doesn't negotiate with you. Can we have some decorum here, please? And I want you to get, I, I, seriously, I want you to catch this because God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And it's, it's extremely important to make that distinction. He doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. Freedom. Grace. Forgiveness. That's what he wants. 
I can't bargain with God because I have nothing he needs. I have nothing that he wants except worship. He does want my worship. And that's why we have Romans 12, 1 and 2. That goes like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, there's the grace element right there. Okay, In view of God's mercy, two things happen. Number one, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But, number two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see those two things, the physical and the mental, the body and the mind. Two things happen when grace gets a hold of you. There is physical worship, offer your body. What can you offer your body to the only thing that you have that's a practical, of any practical use? Are you offering your body to something good? Are you encouraging people? Are you helping people? Are you available? Are you going to church on a regular basis? Are you, are you serving at church? That's what's great about having two services. You can worship in one and serve in another. You don't ever have to miss church. But that's the physical. Number two, the mental, the renewing of the mind. That's what takes place when grace comes into your life is the renewing of the mind has to, has to happen. We have to begin to think like God. We have to begin to change the way we think to be more like God. So that's the mental worship. And that's the beauty of grace. Okay, because grace is not a concept. It's, it's not a doctrine, not a teaching. It, it is the gospel it's the good news. And Galatians 1.6 says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Notice what the gospel is in this verse. It is the grace of Christ. That's the gospel. Notice what it isn't. It's not something other than the grace of Christ. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Galatian Christians and he's saying, don't turn your back on the true gospel. And while Jesus was on earth, he doled out grace whenever he saw fit. It's always coming. It's always more grace. He was always ready to give out grace. We see it all through scripture. In fact, let's, let's look at some instances today where Jesus extended grace to people. And we would have looked at these people ourselves and gone, mm, nah. But Jesus did. And his grace transformed their lives. That's why he's who he is. And we aren't. We don't know how to do this stuff. We oftentimes look at the outside. He looks at the inside. That's why he called Peter, Peter. He wasn't called Peter. That wasn't his given name. His name was Simon. Why did he call him Peter? Peter means rock. Simon was not a rock. That's because Jesus looked at him and saw him for who he was going to be. And that's what makes him good at this. 
So when Jesus was traveling through Jericho, Mark chapter 10, there was a blind beggar there named Bartimaeus. The blind beggar began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's that grace element again, mercy. He wanted that grace. Everybody's looking for grace. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder. Jesus said, tell him to come here. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. He said, I want to see Jesus. I just want to see, he said. Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And he got his sight back. So three quick observations. Number one, the crowd tried to shut him up. The crowd said no. They, they tried to shut him up, but he wasn't deterred by his critics. And that's the point is don't listen to your critics. They're not looking out for you. And they weren't looking out for him. So he shouted all the more. Number two, he referred to Jesus as the son of David. This is significant because Jews believed that the Messiah was going to be a descendant of King David. So when he called him the son of David, he was saying the Messiah. He, was call- he knew that he was the Messiah. All right? And the thing about him was, even though he couldn't see, he could see a lot better than everybody else. Isn't that right? He had spiritual sight. And number three, Bart took advantage of his opportunity. He took advantage of it. All right? Jesus is passing through. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He just guy doesn't know when he's going to come through again. But the next stop for Jesus is crucifixion. That's what comes next. And he took advantage of the opportunity. All right? And Jesus gave him grace. In other words, don't, don't, don't um, fail to pester God. All right? Don't feel like you're, a, you're pestering God. Keep coming at him. You know, until you get it, keep coming. Adam, don't give up, you know, on your prayers. Jesus gave, Jesus gave him grace. He didn't give him the law. He gave him grace. The law says, don't yell at a rabbi. Grace says, your faith has healed you. The law says, stay blind and keep begging. Grace says, come and see. Come and follow. Come and make a difference. And he began to follow Jesus. He actually started following Jesus. And you can't follow if you can't see. And so Jesus gave him healing. Remember the woman who was caught in adultery uh, and was brought to Jesus in John chapter 8? They said to Jesus, Rabbi, we caught her in the act of adultery. Moses says that she needs to be stoned. What do you say? Trickery. Tomfoolery. They were trying to trap Jesus. And he knew what was going on. Because if he said, don't stone her, they would have said, aha, you're breaking Moses' law. And if he would have said, stone her, he would have been breaking Roman law. Because Jews can't carry out their own executions. This also goes against the message of grace and forgiveness that he'd been teaching all along as well. So what does Jesus say? 
Go ahead. Stoner. Yeah, go ahead. Throw a stone. But you better make sure you've never been guilty of anything in your life. And one by one, they walked away. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those punks had been with her before. That's how corrupt they were. But they walked away. And he looked at her and he said, where are they? Has anybody accused you? And she said, no. Then he said, I don't accuse you either. Now go and send more. Now notice what happened right there. The church has this in reverse sometimes. The church has this in reverse sometimes. Sometimes they go, go and sin no more, and then maybe we'll give you the free gift of no condemnation. What Jesus did is he looked at the woman and said, I give you no condemnation, and then I empower you to go and sin no more. Big difference. And John 3.17, we know 3.16, but 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Thank God. So he didn't give her the law, he gave her grace. And when God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient, remember that? My grace is sufficient for you. He was simply saying that I have the power, my grace has the power to help you be effective against the sin. Right? I can help you overcome your weaknesses. It's not just about mercy and forgiveness. Now, on another visit to Jericho, Zacchaeus was a tax collector in uh, Luke chapter 19. Everybody hated him. Everybody hated Zacchaeus. Nobody cared about him. Guy was a chump. He was ripping everybody off. He was hired by the Romans to take money from his own people, and he's ripping off all the people of his own kind and giving it to the Romans. Everybody hated him. Right? And so when Jesus comes to town, he climbs a tree. I mean, think about it. This is a grown man climbing a tree. That's funny in itself. But why did he climb the tree? Because of Jesus' reputation. He knew about Jesus' reputation. That was grace and love and mercy and compassion and forgiveness. It was nothing that he had experienced. And he was hoping maybe there's a fraction of a chance that I can get some of that compassion. And so he climbed a tree. In a desperate act, he climbed a tree. And in that desperate act, he stopped grace in his tracks. Sure enough, Jesus stopped. Said, come on down. Go into your house. We're going to eat. Does that sound like a command? Does that sound like law? No law given, no command given. I want to come to your house. That's grace right there. And Jesus went. Right? And all the religious grace preacher scandalous scandalous after dinner Zacchaeus gets up and he says everyone I've cheated I give back fourfold 
And Jesus just sits back and smiles. Says, today, salvation has come to this house. This is what happens when grace comes into people's lives. Everybody else is affected and benefits from God's grace. When he gave the law, the Ten Commandments, remember the story about the first young ruler who comes to Jesus and he gives him the Ten Commandments and he says, oh, I've kept all those. You know what? He gave the Ten Commandments. He gave the law to the rich young ruler and the guy could not even give up one shekel. Walked away sad. He gives grace to Zacchaeus and his wallet opens up and his house opens up and his heart opens up. And he finally knew what it was like to get rich by giving it away. And that's what grace does to us. At the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus brought the same three guys with him. He heavily invested in Peter, James, and John. Now, as a side note, I was just curious. I, I wonder what the other guys were like. I know I would have been jealous. Why is he always taking them? Why not me? Why is it always Jesus, Pete, Jim, and John? Jesus, Pete, Jim, and John. Jesus, Pete, Jim, and John. Always going off. Not a point. I was just curious. They go up the mountain. At the top of the mountain, there's Elijah. Elijah appeared. He represents the prophets. Moses appeared. He represents the law. Peter was there. He must have represented the KOA because he's like, let's go camping. <laughs> right? He really said that. He's like, let's set up three shelters. Let's hang out here. We'll, make, we'll, we'll build one for you, for Moses and Elijah. We'll build one for the, the law, we'll build one for the prophets, and we'll build one for grace. And just about that time, God speaks like thunder. This is my beloved son. Listen to him, not them. You cannot put grace on the same platform. You can't put grace on the same level as the law and the prophets. It's not going to happen. The moment Peter presumed to put them on the same level as Moses and Elijah, they disappeared. That's because grace stands alone. It stands by itself. It's structured in such a way as to satisfy, right, your every distinctive and personal situation. That's why it was so amazing last week when everybody gave their testimony because what you saw there was you saw how God works distinctively in the lives of each and every one of us. We all have our own story and that's how God works. That's how grace works. Which the prophets or the law could never do such a thing. About the thief on the cross. 
can't wait to find that guy. Ask him, how did that shake out for you? You know, because you, 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 you were never baptized. You never went to a Bible study. You don't know a thing about church membership. And, and yet, yet you, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have been saying. Like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, because I don't know. Well, I mean, excuse me, let me go get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor, Angel. We have just a few questions for you. Are you clear on the doctrine of sanctification? Are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? Guy says, I've never heard of him in all my life. Are you clear on the doctrine of scripture? Guy's just staring. In frustration, the angel goes, on what basis are you here? And he says, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. That's it. And that's the only answer. That's the only answer. That's as grace as grace gets. Isn't that true? And so the bottom line is that you will never be completely satisfied, completely filled, or completely whole until grace comes alongside of you and meets you right where you are. And grace has the ability to meet you in your very specific place, right where you are. How will grace meet you where you are? How will it meet you where you are? The Bible is very clear. Seek and you will find. Repent and be baptized. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and it will be given. It makes it very simple. Do you need to climb a tree? Do you need to do something radical? Do you need to shout louder? Maybe you just need to build a shelter. You need to wait on the Lord. We're so busy, we have hardly any time to wait on the Lord for his grace. And the beautiful thing about grace is that grace takes the situation and adapts to it. You're missing a loved one. God has the ability to come alongside of you and comfort you right where you are. I know what that's like. That's the beauty of grace. Maybe you're missing somebody. 
God wants to be that person. And if you feel like you've run out of grace, I want you to remember one thing. There's always enough to go around. Lamentations says that grace is new every morning. That's the beauty. We're going to sing a beautiful medley in closing. Three simple short songs. I want you to personalize it. I want you to internalize it. This is, this is you taking just a few moments to seek God's grace in your life.
I went down south to one of the southern states and he ordered a meal off a menu. And when the meal came, there was grits on the plate. He says, I didn't order grits. The waitress says, you don't order grits. Grits just comes. That's how God's grace is. You don't order grace. Grace just comes. I'm just thankful to God for that. It's every day. I got to get up in the morning and I say, thank you, God, that your mercy is brand new this morning. I need it. Let's pray. Lord, we seek your face. Thank you, Lord, that you have come meet us right where we're at. Help me to go today just an extra burst of energy knowing 
that I have victory in my life because of you. I've been saved. I don't need anything but to just say, Lord, I believe in you. I receive you. Thank you for dying on the cross and for coming back to life. I pray that each and every one of us goes in victory. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for your time. It's been wonderful. God bless you. Have a great week.